Every Monday through Thursday, we bring you a new story on the theme of power, culture, or the future, handpicked from theoutline.com. I'm your host, James T. Green, and this is The Dispatch. So, Michael, we're hitting the end of Pride Month, and you came to me with this fantastic story that you just wrote on theoutline.com. What is it? So for the end of Pride Month, I decided to write about this disparate group of Tumblr bloggers who are essentially going through historical archives and building a canon of asexual history where it didn't exist before. So for folks that don't know um, what the term asexual means, what is it? So asexuality is basically a spectrum of sexualities, and it describes anyone who experiences little to no romantic or sexual attraction. So you mentioned that they're creating this essentially as canon of history on Tumblr. Where are they sourcing this information from? Yeah, so I mean, it's a bunch of different places. Um, one writer I spoke to is currently a student at Fordham, and she talked about how she would just go into the Fordham library and she would look at books about early feminists mostly um, and other figures who talked a lot about sex. Um and different, and their different views on that, and the different ways they approach that. Um, and I think one really interesting thing about the way these writers have approached the subject is because asexuality is an inherent identity that was not firmly articulated until recently. It's incredibly hard to actually verify whether, oh, this historical figure was in fact asexual. And so, rather, what a lot of writers are trying to do is they're trying to basically capture figures who were articulating critiques of sex and like compulsory sex that resonate a lot with the asexual movement today. So it's more about mm. capturing the aesthetics of asexuality throughout mm. history rather than actually saying, oh, this figure is for sure asexual. And I mean, that is, that is something that a lot of um, other queer historians have done. Mm. I mean, there are so many figures that you can probably think of where they're like rumored to have been gay or to have been right, bi, right, right, um, right. but you can't actually confirm that. But you, could, but there's still a way to talk about them and to make space for them to be queer. So, what are some examples of these uh, tumblers uh, that are taking this information and representing it? So, this one uh, student, the Fordham student that I spoke to, her name is Daria Kirchenbaum, and she found a really interesting historical figure that she described as an early asexual feminist. So this is a 19th century British feminist named Elizabeth Wollstenholme Elmy. Um, and Elmy is a really interesting figure, not only because she was advocating for women early on and for women's suffrage, um, but she also had a lot of critiques of the way society talked about sex. Um, mm. And her ideal vision of relationships is what she described as psychic love, um, and it's this connection between people that is found not so much through sexuality, but rather um, through what she describes as the realization of justice, equality, and sympathy between the sexes. Um, and whether she herself was actually asexual, as we kind of discussed, like you can't be completely sure, but she was talking about a, her relationship to sex in a way that was very different than what a lot of women could say at the time. Mm. Um, and it's one that this writer identified as asexual. And before she'd written about this, actually earlier this month, um, no one had ever described Elmi as asexual before, even though 
when you go through her work, there clearly are resonance of that. Right. And I think that's like an important example because I think it shows the work that a lot of people are doing, which is to go back through these other, these important historical figures whose queerness has been overlooked mm-hmm. um, and to make room for it to possibly be there and to show how that, how that may be like what people have been talking about since the 1800s maps on to what we're talking about today. Um, and whatever queer movement you're talking about, whether it's the ace community or other communities. And when you say ace, you mean, of course, like asexual. Yeah. Ace is a colloquial term for asexual that a lot of people in the community use. So I've got a question for you, particularly. The most interesting thing I find about this is that you mentioned here and you mentioned in the piece that asexual history is really not found because it's almost like been erased or not acknowledged. Um, And I mean, like I have a couple ace friends myself and I know a lot of their big problems is that people don't acknowledge its existence. So as a reporter, why do you feel that's the case? Like why, like why do you feel like asexuality and like this Tumblr's existence is, you know, gaining so much steam? I think that um, in the case of history specifically, like traditionally the main way we disseminate history is through academia. And I think academia has been, for the most part, and there are definitely some exceptions of asexual academics um, who've been active on the issue. But for the most part, I think academia has been very caught up in questions of like, is asexuality real or what is asexuality that I think... um, for for a lot of people in the community seems to like these questions seem not to probe very deep and to maybe in some cases be patronizing um and i think that the reason that we're seeing so much of this on places like tumblr so much of this spreading of history is because academia just has not probed very deeply into the different nuances of asexuality and where it comes from and what its lineage is and um, what the movement currently in the community is trying to articulate. It's very much caught up um, in this basic premise of like asexuality 101 is what um, one writer I talked to described it as. And the thing I'm curious about is all this information is existing on Tumblr. You know, Tumblr is a closed platform it can go away at any moment. It can be bought by another company. I'm curious, are these writers uh, considering that? Like, is there an offline component um, that can assist with this information still being available decades from now? That is not actually something that I personally brought up. Um, but I would hope that, I mean, kind of stories like these would be ways to... Um, continue that tradition. You know, like, I I hope that though most of this writing is currently on Tumblr, like, more publications and more people and more academics start paying attention to the stories that they're telling because, I mean, these are very thoughtfully researched stories um, from history that people are pulling. And I think, obviously, with any, any social media site, any publication, the threat of, like, the structure fundamentally changing is there. And... I think the hope is that eventually these stories will get out enough that enough people will pay attention and will try to preserve them and preserve them specifically as asexual and ace, um, that that won't be an issue. But 
I mean, yeah, you you see it in all sorts of different sites, especially like where people from marginalized communities are able to thrive, like with Tumblr, SoundCloud, um, Vine, even you know, like yeah. But we, you I'll, know, we see what happened to Vine. Yeah. Today, you heard from Michael Waters. Thanks again, Michael, for like reporting on the story and just sharing this information. Like, I really hope you know it's. It's only a podcast, but I don't know. I hope that this, like, sticks into, like, the history of, like, asexual um, reporting and information. Yeah, and I I just hope that, I mean, I don't know if it'll do anything, but, like, I would hope that there continues to be more reporting on asexuality specifically in a way that, again, like, goes beyond, like, the 101, quote-unquote. What is it? it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, yeah. And also, I mean... I hope that more and more people are going to try to find these histories just because I think like queer history in general is super nebulous. Um, mm-hmm. And especially because so few people have dedicated time to asexuality specifically. It's like you have this whole community that doesn't really get to know where it comes from just because most academics, most people haven't tried to. And so, like, you know, you have a bunch of like, students on Tumblr who are taking it into their own hands, which, I mean, is incredible and I hope continues, and I also hope that, like, the people who are supposed to be doing this work, like, actually try to as well. Yeah. The Dispatch is produced and hosted by me, James T. Green. Today's music is courtesy of APM, and our theme is by the fantastic John Lagomarsino. And that's it for The Dispatch. And as we reach the end of Pride Month, like, I want you to remember to seriously fight rainbow capitalism and take a moment and support like your local radical queer establishments like a lot of brands take like pride imagery and ride on it and then go home um so make sure you go beyond that um after june is over (laughs) yeah i like it